0: Well, one Saturday afternoon last fall, on a whim, I was driving through my neighborhood on my way home and I saw that a house down the street from me was having an estate sale. And so I stopped. I don't know why, because I never stop at estate sales and I don't really like garage sales. But for some reason, out of curiosity, I stopped and I went into this house that was having this estate sale. And maybe it's because I don't do that often, but it felt kind of strange. It felt really odd for me to be walking through this house of somebody who, who obviously had passed away not that long ago and to just freely walk through the living room and walk through the bedroom and walk through the basement where the grandkids used to play. And, and I was late to the, to the sale. It had been gone, going on for a while, so everything was half price. Everything that was already cheap was now dirt cheap because the good stuff was, was already gone. As I stood, I remember standing upstairs in their kind of attic room, and I had this moment of, of kind of sadness. Because as I walked by, and I walked through this house, I saw all these things that at one time were great treasures. I saw souvenirs from, from family trips to Niagara Falls. I saw Christmas presents from, that were given to them by grandkids. I saw trophies from some highlight moment in life sitting on a shelf. 50 cents now if you want it, right? I, what really struck me is I stood upstairs and I, and I picked up and paged through a photo album. Now all the pictures had been taken out of the album now. And now you could have the album for a quarter if you wanted. I thought, what, what used to be in that photo album? Was it pictures of a wedding? Was it the best family vacation ever? How many times did somebody sit through and page through that photo album and their heart just soared remembering what went on? All this stuff. Nobody wanted to even give a quarter for it. right? You could have this stuff for, for dirt cheap. In fact, I, I walked in I didn't have any money in my wallet so before I went in I grabbed the change out of the out of my car cup holder. And so I had a few quarters to spend. And I walked out not wanting any of it. So standing in that house, I thought for a moment of all the things in my life that I find so valuable, the things that I treasure. And sometime all of those things that I just love so much, right, my favorite books, my baseball card collection, what's left of it, The poster that I bought that that used to hang in the old Tiger Stadium clubhouse, that very poster, now hangs in my office. I love that thing, right? All the Christmas tree ornaments that we buy from from our family vacations that are such good memories as I hang them on the tree every year. My photo book, someday, somebody's going to have to decide whether they buy it for a quarter or not. And most likely they're going to say, nah, it's not worth a quarter to me. All that stuff that I value, that I hoard, that I treasure is probably going to be sent to nice twice. And it made me think, maybe I need to rethink my attitude about all this stuff that I value. Maybe I need to think a lot more about about getting rid of it now instead of hoarding it and getting more. And that's the message that I was struck with that we hear in Mark chapter 10. Take out your Bibles, if you would, to Mark 10. If you're going to use the Bibles in front of you, it's page 822. 822. We're going to start at verse 17. It starts the story of Jesus' encounter with a rich young man. And this is often the go-to story, right? The go-to passage when it comes to preaching a sermon about giving and about our finances. And so I'm going to it again. But I want you to listen, even though many of you may have heard this story many times, I want you to listen carefully to what Jesus says here. We're going to start at verse 17 and go just through verse 25. So as Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven Then come Follow me And at this the man's face fell He went away sad Because he had great wealth Jesus looked around And said to his disciples How hard it is for the rich To enter the kingdom of God The disciples were amazed at his words But Jesus said again Children how hard it is to enter The kingdom of God It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle Than for someone who is rich To enter the kingdom of God Now I think it's probably with this story in scripture That we justify that that phrase That we've come to believe that the Bible teaches right? That the Bible teaches us to give until it hurts We've heard that phrase probably before And it certainly sounds like at first glance Jesus is making that declaration here, doesn't it? And he says to this young man, this young rich man, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. That certainly would hurt to do. That would be hard. And so we hear that as God's command to give until it hurts. If we aren't sacrificing everything we care about, if we aren't feeling miserable, right, then we must not be given enough of our money. We must not be given enough of our time. We must not be giving enough of ourselves. We need to give until it's painful. Give until it hurts. And sadly, many of us as preachers have cultivated that understanding as a way to balance the budget every year, right? Come on, it's time to give. Just move that decimal point one more more over. Just put one more zero on the end there. Give more than you ever thought you could. Give until it hurts. But you probably already noticed as we read that, if you're paying attention, that that phrase doesn't come up there. Jesus doesn't say give until it hurts. But you won't find that phrase anywhere in Scripture. So do you know where it came from? Let me quiz you. Any, anybody dare guess? Anybody know? Because somebody did say give until it hurts. Anybody know who it was? Any guesses? I thought it might be a mystery. What's that? Not Karl Marx. Good guess though. It would fit for him. Somebody maybe on the total other side of the coin. Mother Teresa, the latest, the latest saint in the Catholic Church is the one who said give until it hurts. It was in 1994. She was invited to speak at the Presidential Prayer Breakfast. We could have used her there maybe last Thursday as well. But here's here's I just want to read for you a little excerpt of what she said at the Presidential Prayer Breakfast. Here's what she said. Jesus died on the cross. And again, just picture this. This little frail frail old lady speaking in front of the power of the world, right? The world power. Here's what she says. Jesus died on the cross because that is what it took for him to do good for us. To save us from our selfishness and sin. He gave up everything to do the Father's will. To show us that we too must be willing to give everything to do God's will. To love each other as he loves us. If we're not willing to give whatever it takes to do good for one another, then sin is still in us. That is why we too must give to each other until it hurts. Love to be true, she said, has to hurt. I must be willing to give whatever it takes not to harm other people and in fact to do good for them. This requires that I... Be willing to give until it hurts. Otherwise, there is no true love in me. And I bring injustice, not peace, to those around me. It hurt Jesus to love us. Because I talk so much about giving with a smile. Once a professor from the United States asked me, Are you married? And I said, Yes. Yes. And I find it sometimes very difficult to smile at my spouse, Jesus. Because he can be very demanding. Sometimes it is really something true. And there is where love comes in, she says. When it is demanding, and yet we give it with joy. And we give until it hurts with a smile. I love that phrase. We give until it hurts with a smile. That's really what this, what Jesus was asking of this young rich ruler. He wasn't just asking him for his money. He was asking him for his love. Because love demands sacrifice. Love hurts. And love also is what brings great joy to our lives. It brings true satisfaction. He was asking this young man to let go of what he loved in order to hold on to what God loved. And for this rich young man, it was his financial wealth. We often villainize this guy, right? But, but think about it. He was, he was an excellent young man. Any fathers here? This is exactly the kind of man you want your daughter to meet someday, okay? He's religious, committed to God, he's successful in life, he's well-respected in society, and he's rich, okay? But here he fails Jesus' test. This rich young man is willing to go into profound spiritual debt, eternal debt, to cling to his earthly wealth. He's desperately holding on to this money, to to his bank account, to the luxurious living that he has, to all the stuff in this world. And Jesus says, you can choose. You can choose the stuff of this world, your wealth, or you can choose me. And he chooses his money. Because he could not imagine sleeping well without a bank account. He could not imagine sleeping well without... Without all the treasures in his house That were invaluable to him His security came from his money His security came from his stuff And he was willing to risk eternity to keep it Okay, now Now before we We again, as we have so often Point our fingers at this young man In judgment In condemnation As many of us have done before, right? As, before we say What a wrong choice. We would never make that choice. We need to stop for a moment and think about our own lives. Because we might just find that finger of judgment and condemnation pointing back at us. Because Jesus asks the very same question of you and of me. Okay, answer this. Think about this. What is so meaningful to you? What possession do you treasure so much? It's so important to you. That'd be the last thing you want to get rid of. It's the last thing you would let go of. Does something come to mind? Maybe it simply is your bank account. A solid bank account. that You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to try and live without that behind you. Maybe something came to mind. Maybe a family heirloom came to mind that gets passed down from generation to generation. Maybe it's a place. The house you live in, you lived in for decades maybe and just love that. A cottage where you're making family memories every summer and you love that place. Maybe it's something you built. Something you won. A trophy, a treasure. What is it that That would really hurt If you were forced to let it go The question that comes to this young man That comes to us Is what do you love More than you love Jesus And many of us If we were honest this morning Would have to answer that yes We love our money We love the pleasure it brings us We love the security it brings us And and sometimes we might even say we love it more than Jesus. We wouldn't say that out loud. We don't like to be honest about that. But at this time of year, it's easy to have those numbers jump out at us. If you're like me, you recently received your W-2. I got my W-2 in the mail. It's easy for me to glance at that number and see how much I made this past year. I also received from church my, my... Record of giving over the past year. It's easy for me to see that number right there and says, Here's how much over the past year that I have given. When I hold those two numbers next to each other, it's easy for me to see if I tithed in 2016, like God asked me to do. It's easy for you to see that. And if we if I didn't, and if we didn't tithe, then how are we different from this rich young man who walked away from Jesus? Right? God made it clear to us. He said, you want to show how much you love me? You want to just prove to yourself and to the world that, that you love me that more than you love your finances? That you find your security in me more than you find your security in your money? How about 10%? You can keep 90. 90 is yours. 10% back to me shows your love for me. And many of us, like this rich young ruler, Turn around and walk away. We choose otherwise. And I know all the excuses because I've made, I've made those excuses. right. And the biggest excuse probably comes that, that we can't afford to tithe. We can't afford to give that 10%. And, but someday... Right? We, we say to ourselves, someday when, when we're more secure, right, when, when we're financially set, when, when the kids are out of school and there's no more tuition to be paid, someday when the house is paid off and that house payment is gone, then I'll really be able to give. Someday when my car stops breaking down, which I don't think will ever happen. Someday when the grandkids are grown. Someday when, when my retirement is all set. Someday when I'm rich, I'll be able to give, that's what we say to ourselves. So I did a little research for us this morning. We hear a lot about the the worldwide 1%, right? The 1% of people in the world who own 48% of the world's wealth. They're the ones who are free to give generously, right? If you have 48% of the world's wealth and 1%, that 1% should be free to give. So who are these, these one-percenters? If you're like me, your mind immediately says, well, it's the Bill Gates, it's the Warren Buffets, it's the, it's the Rich DeVos' of the world. And you're right, yeah. They're in the one-percenters. But I looked up where, where the financial line is drawn to see if you are in the 1% worldwide. Here's where it is. If you have an annual income of $32,400 a year, you are in the 1%. You are in the 1% that has 48% of this world's wealth. If you have an annual income of $32,400, you are rich beyond what most of this world can ever fathom or imagine. So if you're an accountant or a nurse or a pastor or a teacher... Congratulations, right? The average wage for all those careers falls well within the top one percent. Many of us here are the one percent. As that young man in Jesus' story walked away from him, Jesus says how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle For a rich man to enter the kingdom of God And our ears better perk up Because we are the ones who are rich All of us Even if you don't quite make the 1% We read the story and we can't believe That this, this man would turn around And walk away from Jesus And choose his money instead We would never make that choice But we do we do. He isn't so radically different from you and me. In fact, he might be who we're most like in the Bible. Like him, our, our financial security, our money makes us feel so powerful, so in control, so self-sufficient that we come to the point where we feel like we don't really even need God. God's a nice added bonus to help us get through the tough times, but most of the time we can get through on our own, Right? We've still got our job. We've still got our retirement fund. We still have our equity in our home. We've got enough to carry us through. We don't really need God. But C.S. Lewis writes this in Mere Christianity. He says, one of the dangers of having a lot of money is that you may be quite satisfied with the kinds of happiness money can give and so fail to realize your need for God. If everything seems to come simply by signing checks, you may forget that you are at every moment totally Dependent on God Our financial wealth Is a tool that Satan uses Powerfully and effectively To get our eyes And our dependence off of God Right so Jesus gives the command in verse 21 To get our eyes And our dependence back on God Just go sell everything And give to the poor Remember the possession that came to your mind about five minutes ago? That possession that you have that's so meaningful that you would really do almost anything you could to hold on to it. What if Jesus spoke directly to you? and said, sell it. Move it along. It's either me or that possession. You choose. Would you sell Would you give beyond what is simple and easy to give? And would you give when there's some sacrifice involved? Some hurt involved? As you think about that, understand this too. Understand that that giving, being generous, just for the sake of giving on its own, will leave you empty. The Bible makes it clear that, that our giving must be motivated by love. It's all about love Paul made that abundantly clear First Corinthians 13 3 He says if I give all of my possessions to the poor And give over my body to hardship If I give away my own body That I may boast But do not have love I gain nothing You can be the most generous person in the world And miss what Jesus is getting at here Right? It's about us as followers of Jesus Christ giving ourselves away in love for God and in love for his people, the least of these, just like Jesus did. Right? In John chapter 15, Jesus gives this command. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. so the command is for us to love. And this isn't a warm, fuzzy, let's hold hands and sing kumbaya kind of love. That's not what Jesus is asking for. He commands us to love each other the same way that he loved us. And what did Jesus do? He died for us. He gave everything away for us. He held nothing back. He gave us a love that was willing to hurt for us. That's what true love does, right? It's willing to hurt. Many of you know how that works. Those of you who are parents here, how much do you love your children? What would you give to save your child? You would give everything. You wouldn't care how much it hurt. That's how much I love my children. That's how much I love my wife. How much we love our parents, hopefully. Your grandkids. That's how much we are called to love each other and to love Jesus. And he tells us that's the kind of joy that will, that kind of love that will bring joy to your life. It will bring a true smile to your face. Joy that goes far beyond the fleeting happiness that money can buy. Joy that goes beyond a car or a cottage or a big bank. Give yourself away out of love. I brought with me this morning this this big glass jar that has been a staple in my life since I was born. And it's heavy too, takes two hands to hold it. This jar was my dad's penny jar, okay? And and since before I was born this penny jar sat in the dining room in the corner and every day when my dad would come home and he'd empty his change, he'd put all the pennies in here. The important silver coins went somewhere else, but the pennies came in here. After 20-some years, it was full. And it was heavy. And they were moving. And they decided that they weren't going to spend the money to move a full penny jar. So they, so they cashed it out, emptied it out. And I, I never asked, but I wish I knew how much, this, how much all these pennies were worth. So I took the jar. They were done with it. And I continued the family tradition of, of filling this penny jar. And I had the goal of filling it up again. And I was doing pretty well. Um, Fifteen years or so of, of collecting pennies. I was probably a quarter of the way through. And then um, I was in the living room where I keep this jar. And um, my son was a bit younger back then. And, and he looked at me and he said, hey dad. My class at school is having coin wars for, for charity. Those pennies would let me win. It's for a good cause. Please? I'll tell you, you know what my heart said? My heart said, I got a goal here, kid. <laughs> I'm trying to fill this thing. It's taken me 15 years to get a quarter of the way full. I want to keep it. This is my treasure. I value this. And I heard, please. And I thought, you know, why am I holding on to this? I can teach my son a lesson about giving. I can give to a good cause. And so my jar got empty. And I started over. You're welcome to help after the service if you want to put a penny in. You know what? God doesn't care that much about my little penny jar here. Did I give away a lot? That wasn't much. It's a bunch of pennies. But it was a wake-up time for me about my heart. About holding on to things that don't really matter. And the price that I pay. When I hold on to the things that don't matter, and I neglect the things that really do. That's what the story is about. It's about our love for Jesus. It's about becoming generous out of love and loving God and loving each other in His name with the things that He has given us. So know know that Jesus' lesson here on giving generously, giving deeply from your heart is hard. It's, It's really hard. If, if I struggled, even for a moment, to give away a bunch of pennies, how much harder is it going to be for me to tithe if I've never tithed before? How much harder is it going to be to give that thing that I love more than Jesus when he asks me to? How much harder is it going to be for me to really invest myself in family promise to help find a home for somebody who needs a home? How much harder is it going to be for me to invest myself in a refugee family who needs a place to call their own? How much harder is it for me to say, yes, God, what I have is yours, and here it is. Would you pray with me? God, you know how much we actually do really love the things of this world. How attached they become to our hearts and to our minds. And I thank you for them. I thank you for being generous with us. And you have given us good things so that we may enjoy them. And so, Father, we do, I do ask that you'd help us to enjoy your generosity in our lives. But Father, when our possessions become more valuable to us than you, when holding on to them takes priority over obedience, bring us to our knees in confession and forgive us for having another God before and above you. So, Father, tune our ears to what you call us to do, where you call us to love, and give us the courage to say yes, and to love you and to love each other and to love the people in this world the same way that you loved us and gave your very self for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to take our offerings this morning our offerings are for church ministries and also for faith promise commitments that will be uh, finances that go to our missionaries and those serving both nearby and far away Uh, andrew's going to come up and during the offering tell us a little bit he's going to give us some uh, give us some opportunities this month that that you can celebrate and you can give as god has empowered you to give and also um celebrate how you have given already as well in a moment during our last song you're going to be invited to to bring forward your faith promise or your um, your first fruits commitments as we make the budget for the coming year of what you hear god calling you to lay on your heart uh, to pledge for the coming year but um first as you give deacons you may come forward and